So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 7, Episode 10 of Happily Ever After. In this episode, Ed and Liz try out couples therapy, Libby and Andre get some big news, Sumit starts working again, Michael lies to Angela to get her back in the sack, Yara considers spending more time in Prague, and Kimberly turns on the charm for Usman's mom and brother. As always, we'll end with our Students of the Week, class dunces, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. And if you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup MK, where we'll be covering the new season of Life During Lock- Love During Lockup. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today on this fine Halloween night? I know. Well, it's Halloween night, so I have, you know, my kids. We were out... I wasn't doing the trick-or-treating thing because my kids are old enough that they don't want dad hanging around them. So it's Aww. kind of like, all right, peace out, and then get to hand out candy to all the cute kids that come by. So that's nice. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, I don't live in an area where kids trick-or-treat, so I think I have the night to myself mostly. Well, that's good. That's also good in a different way. Yeah. Well, before we get started, uh, we're going to try to be uh, better about our rumor roundup. And I think our goal is at least once a quarter, but if more, then we'll have more. But uh, we haven't had one for a while. And in the last, I think it's been almost six months since we did this last, there have been a lot of babies and divorces. Two-minute rumor roundup. All right. So let's go ahead and get started. It's a girl for Lauren and Alexi, who had their daughter Ariel, born September 6th. Anfisa is finally a citizen. Meanwhile, her ex, George, just got married to longtime girlfriend and baby mama, Rhoda Blua. Chantel and Pedro are divorcing, and Chantel is accusing Pedro of domestic violence and cheating. It's a boy for Liz and Libby and Andre. They have named him Winston Leo, and he was born October 4th. Evelyn and David are officially divorced after Evelyn has slammed David publicly, but he remains tight-lipped. Kalani and Asuelu have sold their Utah home, and Kalani is wanting to move back to California, while Asuelu is telling people he's single. Anna and Marcel have welcomed a child via Ukrainian surrogate. They had to travel to Ukraine back in April in order to pick up their son. Juliana is now a mom. She had welcomed a baby boy with European boyfriend Ben just two months after finalizing her divorce from 90 Day Fiancé husband Michael. Meanwhile, Sarah, Michael's first ex-wife, has also filed for divorce from her husband. Mohammed has accused Eve of domestic abuse. It is alleged that Eve found out that he was texting another woman, and in an effort to get his phone, she had her knee on his throat. They filed for divorce in September. Jesse and Jennifer, Tim's ex, have broken up because they claimed the distance was too much. Paul and Karini still do not have custody of their children. Paul has been defending Karini while partying bachelor style in Brazil. Devin has welcomed her third child via C-section with new boyfriend Topher Park. Her son with Jihoon is still receiving treatment for his leukemia diagnosis. And lastly, Memphis and Hamza are currently separated and fighting over custody of their daughter. Hamza is claiming that Memphis has been abusive and he has moved to Chicago. So I wasn't kidding. A lot of uh, babies and divorces or breakups. Well, it's a lot of a lot of babies that aren't um, 
babies from the couples. <laughs> like it's one of the, <laughs> they have a new person and they have a baby with them. Like it seems like that's the that's the theme. Uh, there were a few like uh, Lauren and Alexi and Libby and Andre and fair uh, enough. True. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes, that's true though. Uh, Devin. Uh, new boyfriend, yeah, but yeah, Juliana yes. was new, a new person, right? Like right. New person. Oh, Anna Marcel. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but when I was going through, I was like, man, a lot of people are breaking up, and ones that I wouldn't necessarily expect, like Evelyn and David. It's you know not that I thought they were so great of a couple, uh, but it's more so like some of the ones that have more of a religious based. I, I kind of see them as being less likely to divorce and especially because i think her dad was like a pastor i Mm. feel like that's very anti what their religion kind of teaches them i don't know everybody has a different like kind of swing on religions on how acceptable divorce is too like there's definitely been i definitely known you know some churches and i won't say i don't even know what denomination they'd be where the pastor himself was like three times divorced it's like well you know so eh, it's not so not so forbidden in that that one and i i can also see them justifying it like evelyn's making a very big deal that you know he's been verbally abusive and just like narcissist and all this other stuff and just you know, and I could see them kind of justifying it. And that's why she's making a big stink about how terrible David is, whereas he is trying to take the high road and hasn't really said much about Yeah. Her and you never you never know how that goes because some people some people when it's when the relationship is breaking up is just like, no, I'm throwing everything at the wall. Like right, here it all comes. Right. Like Well, back to this group, since, you know, if you've only been recently watching a lot of those couples that we mentioned very uh, quickly or just news to us. But let's start off with a couple that was mentioned in our rumor roundup, and that's Libby and Andre, because this was certainly taken a while ago. And we have since learned that they had their baby. So in this episode, we find out that they're pregnant. But Libby, Andre and Ellie are in the car. It's been a few weeks since the immigration meeting. Shortly after the interview, Libby and Andre find out that Libby is pregnant. They are very excited for the baby, but they're kind of worried about their immigration situation. They're going to an ultrasound as a family. Libby says it's too early to tell, but she's excited about the idea of having specifically a boy. Libby envisions a body like Andre with a personality more like his dad, Stefan, who she says is just like super chill. Libby is around 12 weeks, and Ellie, uh, their daughter, is completely just entranced at the this ultrasound. They discuss in front of the ultrasound technician the ideal time to make a baby announcement, and they're wondering when they should tell Libby's family. Andre doesn't even want to worry about that. He just wants to focus on their family right now. Libby tells us that Andre suspects someone in Libby's family reported Andre to immigration. All right, so then fast forward, like I mentioned in the rumor roundup, they had their baby, and it was a boy, so congratulations to them, uh, last month, Mm -hmm. October 4th. Um, What do you think of uh, Libby's ideal man? A body like Andre, but a personality like his dad? I mean, that that sounds just about right, yeah? (laughs) Like, you can say what you want about Andre, but I mean, if you're looking for, like, he's got a pretty good body, at least, right? Sure. Um, Yeah, he's got, he's an attractive guy. And, and most people will say, they feel like most people like he's an attractive guy until he opens his mouth and he sounds like an ass and I lose all attraction for him. Well, Anybody yeah, who's not attracted to him. He's scowling all the time, too. I mean, yes. that's not a good look either. Yes. But his dad seems like really 
kind and chill. Yeah. And like, you're like, how in the world are you two related? It really is like that. It's like you must, you must get something from. Yeah, how, where does all his anger come from? He just goes to He's anger so very fast. Very angry. Yeah, it's it's, it's very confusing because you would think like, oh well. You know, you would be chill just like your dad because you've learned how to, like, deal with other things, too. And also his mom. We've met his mom, like, when they were in uh, Moldova. And she also seemed super chill. It's like, where did Andre come from? Yes, I was very – yeah, when we had them in Moldova, it was like, where where did this angry, angry person come from? Because, as you said, both his parents are very, very chill. But, like, I don't know. Let's let's hope. I feel like – I feel like one of those things – I feel like anger is one of those things that's like actually easily passed down, mm-hmm. right? Because like just anger just – and you can see it with, with her and her family. Like and, and is just anger makes more anger, right? Right. I wonder if there is an element of like nature, right? And not necessarily mean like there's an angry gene or anything like that. But it's like, well, look at Andre's physique versus his dad's. Maybe he just has no. more testosterone. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, maybe. Oh, I mean, but also you tend to get like, you don't get like that unless you're, you know, care yeah. about your body and are like <laughs> narcissistic about your body, right? And so yeah. like, I, th- I feel like it's probably more of a, you know, the kind of guy who does that might tend to be more angry. Maybe it is test. Maybe, maybe he's roided up. I don't know. Who knows? Right. <laughs> um, I will say one thing and, you know, maybe you can talk about Yara and Jovi next, but it's like um, uh, Ellie, when she was like younger, I was like, oh, she is an awkward looking kid. And I feel like she's really growing into whatever look it was. And so she's definitely much cuter now. <laughs> and I kind of feel like that way about Yara and Jovi's daughter, too. I'm like, oh, she's an awkward looking kid. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's I don't know. It, it, maybe it's just putting a toddler on camera all the time. I don't know that, that messes them up. But I feel like. I feel like toddler, you, you, yeah, they're usually they're right at the age where they're supposed to be their cutest, and you're like, oh, you're not there yet. Yeah, but. she, I, I don't know, Libby and Aunt Ellie, she was very kind of goofy looking. I don't know, and I was just like, oh, this is, uh, this is not good. But like I said, I think she's actually very cute. Like she's gonna be really attractive adult. So, well, if it go, if it continues on this trajectory, let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, we can never. I mean, now that we've uh, now that let's now that we have judged the relative attractiveness of toddlers, uh, maybe we should move on to somebody else. Yeah, and we will move on. I'll do Yara and Jovi. Um, so at the hotel in Prague, uh, Yari and Jovi are like sitting there trying to deal with Mila. So he's working from the hotel room. Maybe he's working from the hotel room. Whatever. He's on a computer, and Yara says she's going to go explore the city with Mila and her mother. It's not exactly Ukraine, but it feels more like home than the U.S. does, especially considering the quality of coffee, which is better than the swamp water she has to drink in New Orleans. (laughs) So while they're walking around, they talk about how much she likes it. And of course, mom just kind of takes that as an in to be like, well, if you like it, then maybe you should just move here. That would be awesome, right? I could watch your kid. You you know we could I could make up for lost time with Mila. I could do your nanny. This would be amazing. So she just. Really leaning hard into that. So eventually um, she suggests that maybe they go check out some apartments. Maybe just if even for a short-term lease. She thinks it would be nice to be here with her friends and family. This is she meaning Yara. Make it to Prague as refugees 
And but, you know, she really doubts that Jovi's going to be down for living in Europe. So in the next scene, they play. Uh, this is weird. I'm going to say it because we don't talk about the music very often. It was the Tetris music that they were playing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> We've talked like, think, about how they – it's almost like cultural appropriation, right? Right. And, and most of the time they do the cultural appropriation, they're like, I know they're in India because they play some crazy sitar right. music and I'm making yes, it happen, right? exactly. And you're but this like, was like – it wasn't on. even vaguely like Eastern European sounding. It was the Tetris music. It was do, 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 do. It was like this is the Tetris music, right? And – um. So anyway, but brings us back to Yara and Jovi in the hotel room for the next morning. So we've got some room service breakfast and Jovi is going to enjoy some of his with some champagne. So he asks what she's going to be doing today. And she tells him that she's going to look on apartments with her mom, which is confusing to Jovi because why, why would they live? Why would she do that? They don't live in this random place. So he doesn't appreciate how like this is this is how she's bringing up the possibility of moving to Europe. If she was thinking, and it's it's something that if she was thinking about, it should have come up earlier. But she just blames her mom for bringing it up. It just came up yesterday. This wasn't part of the plan, and Jovi was upset about it. He throws out some terrible-sounding arguments about her aunt, fa- family influencing her, and then some more sensible arguments about how her green card actually requires her to stay in the U.S. for six months out of the year. So it seems like she just might be looking into having a place so that she has some place to come when she, if she wants to come more often she'll have a place that's on a hotel maybe but then the conversation shifts into you know what what are the kind of things they can, they should and should not discuss before they make their decisions or even look into them and yara thinks that if it's a place she plays for with her own money it shouldn't be any business of jovi's and he says well since we're married it's kind of all of our money anyway so he thinks that she's been recently impulsive and not thinking things through. So he wants to go with them on the apartment hunt to kind of head off any of what he calls stupid decisions. So I'm a little confused about a lot of this. It seems kind of put on. But if Yara is going to pay for this apartment with her own money, as she says, what money? Where, she doesn't work. I'm confused. Where is she getting this money? She mentioned very briefly in the episode that she has a company and she said that she sells clothes and other things on a website. But that, to me, lent itself to more questions because it was like, do you have your own line and you're in charge of manufacturing? Is it just reselling? Because I kind of vaguely remember because I had mentioned the first season that uh, you know, they were on. And she she does have very nice style. And I liked a jacket she was wearing one time. And mm-hmm. I know that you went on a quest to find this jacket. And um, I feel like we came across some sites that were like reselling. And I don't know she tried to do something with that specifically. And that's how she's making some money. Right. But, yeah. Maybe. But it just it doesn't seem like enough money to afford an apartment. Right. In Prague. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't think so either. But I mean, I don't know how much are apartments in Prague. That's a good question. I didn't look into that. I just figured it was a, you know, highly popular city in, you right. know, a Western part of the world. It's not going to be cheap. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think so either. But, you know, I, Jovi has a good point. Um, but I can also see Yara 
thinking of this as like, oh, her spending money, right? Because they're not living off of her money. They don't need her income. And so we're kind of viewing it as like, you know, her spending money, which I agree with Jovi. Like that's kind of messed up because, you know, Jovi doesn't have any spending money uh, because his money is like all the communal money that they're living off of. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes to me, it just seems like the, the, the super obvious solution to their problems that they're going to eventually come to is, you know, she lives in Prague when Jovi's at work. Yeah. Like, and then comes back. Like, that's that's the most obvious thing. And I wonder if it's kind of like, is it worth doing an apartment? And there may be like, you know, Airbnb in the apartment for the week she's not there and fi- figuring something out that way. And just, it, it just, I just don't think moving to Prague is ever in the, ever in the cards and it's kind of silly that they're really insisting on making it a, a well, thing. Well, the other issue that he brought up was, okay, let's say that is the plan. Um, it's still a problem because Jovi doesn't work for just six months out of the year. He's working more than that. And so mm. she would be out of the country for more than six months out of the year if she was always there. And then, uh, you know, it's like, is Jovi expected to go back to the U.S. on his time off or is he expected to join her, you know, in Prague? So- well, and if he is, if it's time off and his his time on, he's wherever he is uh, on site in Central America, South America, wherever he's on site. And then he lives in Europe. Well, he, now he has visa problems. He can right. just move to the Czech Republic and, yeah. have no, and not have a he, – he has to get an immigration visa. Nobody's sponsoring him. It just It just doesn't work, you know? Right, right. So, yeah, there's a lot of issues with this. And I just feel like Yara maybe doesn't have the best idea of, like, you know, being married and, like, the fact that it's, like, really a partnership and they have to make these decisions together. She's kind of, like, running into this, like, they're just dating and she can make decisions for herself. And, you know, she did kind of mention at the beginning of this season, you know, and we definitely have shifted away from this potential storyline. Like, let's say, for example, that there was no invasion of Ukraine right now. I know we would still be on the storyline of, you know, Jovi's not good enough for Yara and the girl squad back at home would be, you know, trying to uh, get Yara to, you know, realize that she could do so much better than Jovi. But she had even mentioned back then that she wasn't, I don't want to say super happy, but she said that, you know, if if it wasn't for Myla, her and Jovi would be divorced. Yeah, she did. She did. I don't know. It just, I don't think that her idea of like, because that's the thing that bothers me too. And I get, I get that New Orleans isn't her idea of a city, but she didn't really like New Orleans. And so she picked that apartment they live in. And by all accounts, it's in the middle of nowhere. Sure. And then she complains about, well, when Jovi's gone, I don't have anything to do. And it's like, well, yeah, you picked an apartment. You picked a place to live where there's nothing to do. And then surprise, surprise, there's nothing to do. Right. And then she goes to, yes, I know it. I know it's, it's, you know, closer to home. It's European, but it's some sort of vibrant city. And it's like, wow, this is amazing. And it's like, well, yeah, like there's more to do in the city. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, just, yes, you just reminded me that it just seems like Yara's like, used to making her own decisions and not really running them by Jovi. Yeah, and she did. She literally did with the apartment. She did that to punish him, if we remember back from those seasons. She was like, fine, I'm a big apartment. He's not going to like it, but this is what I want to do. Yeah, Um, yeah. I don't know. It just seems like she wants to have 
Yeah, it's just that she just wants to not have sacrifices. She wants to be in Prague with her mom and also have Jovi there and also have Miss Gwen there and also be in the U.S. And it's like, well, you, you, you don't get to have all these things. Right. And you're right. You don't get to make all these decisions by yourself because you were the one, especially it's like you already made that commitment. You already moved to the U.S. for this guy. It's like it, it's not like I, I just unilaterally decided to take that back. That's not appropriate either. Right, right. Okay, uh, let's talk about other take backs, uh, Angela and Michael. So the next morning, Angela wakes up next to Michael. And we find out after uh, Renee calls to ask her how she is that he was there. It ends up that Michael came back to her room last night after the fight and told her he would take down his Instagram. Michael said that even though they fought, he missed her. Angela warns him that he has to be careful about biting her breasts because they might pop now that there's implants. And Michael has been assuring her that she is sexy in her new body, which is what Angela had wanted to hear this whole time. He also notes that everything is tighter now. It has opened up more sexual positions for them. During the interview, Angela implies that the conversation is turning Michael on as she's trying to pull his shirt down over his crotch. Later in the car, they start talking about Angela destroying Michael's new car. Angela tries to defend herself, and they quickly just change the subject. Michael then tells us he only told her he would take social media down so she would be in a sweet mood, supposedly to have sex. He then sits her down to talk to her about having a double income with social media. Angela has lost her voice, so she's having a hard time yelling at him. She's upset that he's lied. She feels like he lied so he could get some, and she feels insulted. Angela claims she is emotionally drained. Michael then says they should take down their social media together, and she claims that she shouldn't have to. She didn't betray him, so she doesn't have to take down anything. She gets in a cab to leave this conversation, and Michael is upset she won't stay to listen to him. Michael follows her back to the hotel room, and she tells him to pack his stuff and leave. She can't leave tonight because she can't get a flight out. They continue to fight, Angela calling him a liar and Michael begging to have his social media page. And he says that it was a lie of love, which just fires up Angela even more. Renee is in the lobby, confused what's happening. So Michael and Renee talk. Renee says it's not the page itself that's the issue. It's the flirting with women. Uh, Michael tries to explain that he doesn't engage with flirtatious women, so he doesn't understand what the issue is. Renee says she sees wrongs on both sides and feels like the issue really is communication. She defends Angela, saying that the distance is what is causing her to be insecure, and that's causing her to be controlling. Renee suggests that he stick around and wait for Angela to cool off. Michael insists that Angela is the one who will have to compromise this time around because he's not going to. All right, so do you th really think that this is the time that Michael really stands up for himself? Or do you think that, you know, with the risk of the visa being taken away, that he'll cave? I mean, I think he's going to try to lie his way into the visa. I, th I think he um, I think he showed, what, I th he showed his strategy there. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll tell her whatever and then not do it. That's fine. I'll just we'll see how far that gets me. Right. Because like, I don't know. It's it, it just and I, it's one of those fights that becomes a dumb fight. And I think we've all had them or known people that had them where it's just like it's not a big deal. I don't understand why you're upset. 
well, if it's not a big deal, why don't you just do what I want? Oh, it's like, gosh. well, if it, it's not a big deal, you shouldn't be upset about it. You know, like it comes right. that circular argument yeah. about how something isn't a big deal. And I feel like we're stuck there. Like it's your social media account. It's not a big deal. Like, why are you so upset about it? And she's like, well, if it's not a big deal, then you'll take it down. And it's just right. like a whole nonsense. Yeah. Like that reminds me of like the classic like young people getting married argument. Right. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see why you want to get married. You know, I love you. It's it's not a big deal. Well, if it's not a big deal, then just get married. You know, it's like, yes. <laughs> and it goes around in a circle like that. So, yeah. yes, mm, I can definitely uh, see that. Uh, honestly, and I don't know if he knows the full extent of the visa situation, but if I were him thinking the way that Michael thinks in terms of like, you know, if I'm really just trying to get what I want out of this and I was, you know, had no qualms about being like shady. I would just take down my Instagram for however long this visa is going to go through because, you know, they're making it sound like any day now. And yeah, then as soon as you imminent. get your visa, yeah. you know, Angela can't sabotage it any further or, you know, uh, withdraw the application and then put your social media back up like you can live without social media for like what another month. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, if he's willing to, because that was just, I mean, I did laugh so hard when he was like, they put in the interview, he was like, yeah, no, I'm not taking that down. Yeah, I just right. told her that. I, I, that's not going to happen. Like, I just told her that to calm her down. It's like, and again, and we did see that, calm her down and get her into bed, which is just shudder. Like, oof. But yeah, I, she, they're always like that, right? They're always like yes. saying the most ridiculous thing. And it's mostly Angela. Michael kind of looks embarrassed most of the time when Angela's like yapping away about how great the sex is and all this other stuff. And how and you can, like, how, yeah, how you can see the coochie. And it's oh, like nobody God. wants to see the coochie, no, Angela. No, Angela, no. <laughs> and we don't want to hear about it. Like, good for you guys. You have a healthy sex life and it's, and it's fun for you all. But yeah, we don't need to be privy to those details or anything like that. I, I mean, bottom line for me, I think the bigger takeaway, and they could have been very vague about it, is he appreciates her pl- plastic surgery because, you know, they definitely made it seem like he was not about her new body. And she kept on saying that, too. So it seems like he appreciates it. Good. End of story. That's all I needed to know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, he, he he's into it. But it's funny that I guess the part that that got me and still puts me more or less on team Michael is like earlier. She was like, she said something to the, to the effect of, you know, you need to take down your Instagram. And if you take it down, then you love me. And if you don't, then you love yourself. And I'm like, that's not a binary choice. Like you shouldn't be in a relationship with someone insists that you don't love yourself. Right. And instead you love me. That's a bad relationship. Yeah. Actually, that's pretty interesting too, because, you know, they talk about that with uh Liz and Ed and so we'll get to them later on about like mm-hmm. you know conditional love and oh, sure. she definitely you know kind of see- sees it that way like if you do what I want you to do you love me if you go against it you don't love me and it's mm-hmm. like you can have differing opinions without it meaning that this person doesn't love you and it's so ridiculous that you're putting all this weight onto something like you said is 
This is like when you really think about what it is, it's such a trivial thing. Yes. Oh, my God. It's just and I thought that, too. I thought that when she was we saw the scene where she was just crying and it was just I can't do it anymore. I just can't. He's just hurt me so much. And blah. he's like crying through things. And you, if I thought if I didn't know a story like, oh, my God, did he cheat on you? Is he like abusive? Yeah. Is he taking your things, separating you from your family? Like what what is this trauma he's putting you through? And her answer is he has an Instagram account. Right, right. And I can see where she's thinking like, oh, it's not the Instagram account. It's what it leads to. But it's like you're getting very, like 10 steps ahead of what is actually happening. Yes. Right. Because it also comes down to like what um, the friend, I forget her name was, what Renee. she said, mm-hmm. Renee, what Renee said, you know, was like. She's like, well, it's you flirting with the women. He's like, I can't really. I'm not flirting with the women. She's like, yeah, but you let them put googly eyes. And I was like, I don't get to control what they comment on my post, lady. Like, what what do you want from me? Like that. That's 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 the thing is I I don't like that other people find you attracted to you. Yeah. And it's like, what are you going to do? It, but it's just as unreasonable as, and this is just to me the most ridiculous thing that Angela has flipped out over about the one picture of Michael on a boat and there happens to be a woman in the background who isn't even with the group and she flipped out over that. It's like you can't be in like a radius of other women. It's because she thinks like you're going to be at step 10. You know, so there's so many things that need to happen and it's like even the risk of any kind of opportunity it's like she flips out and it's just like that is such deep-seated insecurity and that's not on michael that's on her that's on her absolutely mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean that, that's the thing if, 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 if the potential of a woman to talk to your partner mm-hmm. is so debilitating yeah that you lose the ability to function that's not his problem that's no, your it problem it's and it's unreasonable you can't live your life like in an isolation box no it, it is it's totally i mean i thought it was un, i think it's unreasonable you know because you hear like i remember that came up a few years ago not get political with it but like mike pence had that mm-hmm. he's like oh i'm never in a meeting i never take a meeting alone with a woman and it's like what the hell like what are you like well that is i mean wacky. i can see that as being a little bit different right because that's like uh you don't want the look of like impropriety and being accused of something without a third party and i mean i think to me that's a little different to me that's the same reason oh no why... I, I back up because he said specifically to avoid temptation oh okay <laughs> yes because i was gonna say that uh, because i mean there are some things like i never am oh in a... i never meet with a student right. alone with the alone. door closed absolutely exactly not. Yeah. so things no. like that but it's not because yeah. i feel like i'm gonna be tempted no way <laughs> it's more like i don't want you know the uh, the oh, look yeah. of impropriety there Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. My, I, I do get that. My classroom door stays open mm-hmm. all of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just more more of them. So let's let's go on to more people that, that do things that are crazy. Let's, well, that's pretty much everybody. But let's go <laughs> right. Kim and Usman now. So we see Usman buying two sugarcane off the street and just, like, eating them raw, which is a didn't, no thing people did. Um he gets a text from Kimberly saying that she wants to talk. He's still talking about how he doesn't care if Kimberly breaks up with him because in his head, why why would I care? She's the one, I'm the one who's giving up more to be in this relationship anyway. Um, but that's just for us, not for him. 
So Kim walks up to talk to him and they sit down to talk. So she get right she gets right off to it and starts in hot by aggressively telling him how much it hurt her to hear him say that he could have thousands of beautiful women. He says that of course he has to say that because she threatened to break up with him. So what else would he say? I don't it didn't really follow, but okay. Kim says that um Talking about the breakup wasn't really, you know, breaking up with him, wasn't really meant to be a threat. She was just making her expectations and deal breakers clear. Now, and that primary thing being that being a second wife is not on the table for discussion. So she says that people are reacting, people reacting badly to her boundaries isn't new to this relationship and she's not going to put up with it anymore. She tries to explain the difference between boundaries and threats to him and he says that, you know, I never asked you to be my second wife. I was just talking about what my family said. So he wants everything to go well, wants her to leave Nigeria smiling. And his plan, now that he has one, is to call his brother Muhammad and really start trying to work on him with his mom. Because it was his other brother, Farouk, that was like really harsh and kind of blew the whole deal with his aggressiveness. So the they're going to have this meeting that's the plan. Meet with just mom and Muhammad. And she's okay with this plan because she hopes this time she can get a chance to turn on the charm, but also is still worried it's not going to work. So then we see him driving to this last ditch meeting, which apparently has been agreed to. So at least that's part of the battle. So Usman says the plan is just kind of like to bombard them with the plan, the two wife plan. And if everyone respects each other, it'll go fine. So this time they have the meeting in public and Kim and Usman get to the outdoor space. I don't know if it's a restaurant or a park. I can't tell quite where they are. They get there first and they this time they forego the head covering, but she wears a more traditional shawl. So she's very anxious about the whole thing, but Usman promises calm and they pray that things go, pray out loud that things go smoothly. Uh, and then after a little while, Usman's mom shows up with Farouk instead of Mohammed. So yeah, it was Kim not... Not feeling great, starts things off by talking to Fatamatu about how they really didn't she was upset how they didn't really get a chance get a chance to know her as a person last time. And then Usman translates with eh, maybe a little bit of clarification. So Fatamatu said that she's not really comparing Kim to baby girl Lisa, Usman's ex. Um, and really implication here is who she is as a person isn't the issue. Um, it's really about the baby thing. So she wants to get a foot in the door by by kind of Showing them that, look, my son is black. That's cool, right? That's oh, that's God. a connection. <laughs> they're very surprised by that. And they're also surprised that she was in the army, which appeals to Farouk since he, I, I gathered he's also a veteran. So Farouk tells them that he didn't mean to offend and apologizes for his behavior during the last meeting. He tells Kim that he's gradually starting – well, he tells us that he's gradually starting to warm up to Kim. and he's, But he was just trying to protect his brother Usman from another – baby girl Lisa situation. So he likes Kimberly better than Lisa, but says it isn't sure that this is the choice. This situation works for Usman. So his mom has a proposition for him though. She wants him to meet, eh, potentially to marry a cousin of his. She was like very specific. It is your paternal first cousin. I was like, oh, we're, oh, we're not even like making distance. Okay. Oh gosh. (laughs) Uh, who was waiting at home, like just waiting there for him to come home and, and, and date her, I guess. Anyway, Usman translates for Kim that his mom won't agree to anything if there's not a childbearing woman involved and how there's somebody waiting at home for him kind of like as a 
potential suitor or whatever, but leaves out the part that it's his cousin. Oh, cool. So Kim tells us that being first wife is a line in the sand for her. Um, they kind of basically leave her with the, all right, if that's your plan, like, tell us what it is when you figure it out, like, because we aren't going to stand for that. So Kim wanted to stand, wanted him to stand up for her much more and doesn't want to go, doesn't want him to go meet this, meet his cousin. But Usman thinks that he should just, you know, to kind of keep the peace and placate his mom. So I guess we're at that part right now. We're, we're here in this story here in the season where I have to ask, is Usman marrying his cousin a good idea? Oh, God. <laughs> um, I'm not going to hate on it because I have a feeling that it's. Within their culture, it's perfectly acceptable. It's probably, yeah, it's probably right? not at all that unusual. Yeah. I don't think it is in the U.S. I don't know how far of a distance you have to be from family before it's not part of legal marriage. But I think you have to be a little bit farther out, right? Yeah, I, I think like you have to. I'm looking. I'm looking. It's state by state. It's state by state. Um, I know some states, states are serious because they make you get blood tests. Yeah, but most states, it looks like most states have, you know, first cousin marriage is allowed. Okay. All right. So, I mean, maybe we're kind of like in the ick because, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it also depends on like what you're around, right? I don't have anyone who's married to anyone in, in the family. So, Mm-mm. I think if it's, you know, m- maybe a little bit more normalized. You know, it's it's not that big of a deal because it didn't sound like it was a big deal to Usman. But I have a feeling that Kim, when she finds out, she will make it into a big deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine that. That's, I mean, it, it, it's certainly a cultural thing because I, I think that most Americans are like that tends to be the American culture is your first cousin. Absolutely not. Right. And then I think Usman didn't think it was a big deal, which is why he didn't tell Kim. I don't think it was like, a, oh, that's weird. I don't want to tell her that. I think it was just like it didn't even occur to him that that would be weird. So he just didn't say. I think I feel like he knows Americans well enough to know that it would be weird. But the thing is, is like we we don't know about his dad. I mean, his dad was a multi-marriage like person. He could have all kinds of things and going, you know, right. 10 siblings. It just it doesn't seem like it's somebody he met. Like part of the reason that it's so icky here is because in the states we tend to know our first cousins pretty mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and that's the that's the kind of thing that's that makes it really gross about it. It's like it's not necessarily that you know, you're not disgusted. There's a natural disgust about like being with your siblings or anything, but that comes from knowing them when they were children. Right. And maybe that. okay. And I think the other part of it is if you're into polygamous uh, like relationships and family trees, it's very possible that even though this is a first cousin, like who knows, that could be like a stepbrother to, uh, you know, the dad. And even though by relation, like if you were to do a family tree, it's the first cousin, they might not have any blood relations like in common or anything like that right right no i, th- I think it, it's, it could go either way it could mm-hmm. be that by blood it is a first cousin but you, that's just a person from the street like from a town over that whatever that's how we made the connection and yeah. it used to be more common among like just people in general i just think it's sure. It's, sure. it's it's definitely i don't know i don't know if it's more weird from for americans to generally be so put off by it but it's it's certainly a a cultural difference, um, but like 
all of this is cultural difference. Like, I don't understand why Kim doesn't get that this has nothing to do with how good of a person you are and has nothing to do with how much Usman likes you or loves you or how much you love him. And so by trying to keep selling them on that, you're not that doesn't make that doesn't move the needle. It doesn't make a difference. Okay. well, I think part of it and she even mentioned this is she feels like this is all some big test. You know, that like they're trying to run her off and if she sticks around long enough, then she's passed this test, right? Because she even says like, I feel like I'm being tested. And it's like, what exactly do you think this test is? Like you got to ask three times and then you'll like get in or something? Or, you know, it's like they're they're trying to see how really loyal and really devoted she is to this cause. I, I don't understand what she thinks is happening. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just it maybe she thinks it is that kind of test. Well, how devoted are you? Are you going to keep coming after even we say no? Mm -hmm. And then eventually we'll say yes, because I just I I don't know that I see that happening. I I don't either. I thought they would have caved the first time if it happened this second time. It's like I do not see them, you know, and I understand their reasons. And I thought it was very like productive of them to say, you know, we don't think you are baby girl Lisa, you know, and mm-hmm. saying that like we see you as an individual, but that's not the issue. The issue is the children thing. Right. And you can't do that. That's you cannot provide children. That's right. that's off the table. And yeah, it's so it, it, yeah. And so to trying to win them over isn't a thing. But like the thing is, is when you've talked to it and this came up last episode, the person that Usman thinks is going to budge is her. He doesn't yeah. expect his mom to budge. He expects Kim to come around to being the second wife. Oh, yeah. He for sure does. And honestly, out of the two of them, uh, you know, uh, Fatimatu and Kim, I would kind of go on Kim and be more likely to change their mind. Yeah. And I I mean, I hate his reasoning for changing his – for that she's going to change his mind. But I don't know that it's wrong because I think he has her – as Kim pegged pretty well. And it's basically yeah. like, what, is she going to do better than me? she ain't gonna do better than me she'll come around and she and she has she keeps coming around i mean even after the zara thing when she said she's she's done it's like well he was able to convince her right and it just he convinces her with the yammy and that's it like that's like that's all it takes right well okay talking about being able to convince someone to come around uh, let's talk about ed and liz so ed says the fight after the engagement party is the biggest fight that they've ever had but they have both decided that they want to work on the relationship and they don't want to give up. Liz says that she's angry and emotional, but she doesn't want to give up on him. She didn't leave because she loves him and she wants to prove to him that she wants to make it work. Ed and Liz sit down to talk and Ed starts off by apologizing. He claims he was mad at the co-worker and taking it out on Liz. He doesn't believe that Liz is a lesbian now. Ed says that he was more upset he thought something was being hidden from him. Ed says that he got the jealous gene and he feels like if he has anything good that it's going to get taken away from him. Liz says that her last relationship was she was constantly accused of cheating and it ends up that he was the cheater. So she feels triggered when she gets, you know, cornered like that. Ed says that they need to get through this and then reassess if they want to get married. Liz says that, you know, they're crazy, weird, and different, which is why they keep coming back to one another. Liz wonders if Ed will ever be uh, ever be ready to get married. They hear some bells in a distance, and Ed jokes that those must be wedding bells. After, they head to a couples therapy to try and rebuild their friendship and relationship. 
They start the session off by crediting each other for something. Ed credits Liz for working out, and Liz credits Ed for giving her space when she needed it earlier that week. Liz reveals that when she was financially dependent on someone else, she hit rock bottom where she had to send her daughter to live with her dad and she had to live in her car. Liz has cut back on hours at her work since she's been engaged to Ed, but she really wants to be full time. She wants to make Ed feel secure by not working late, so she hasn't been picking up extra shifts. Ed immediately wants to make a request and the therapist shuts that down. The therapist then points out that Liz wanting to work seems to him to be a condition of the relationship, and Ed frames it as she is picking her work over him. The therapist says that Liz needs to have a separate life and that no love is truly unconditional. All right, so we see them at therapy, and Mm -hmm. how hard do you think this therapist is trying not to like correct ed more than she already has yeah i know it's like she's just breaking like every rule like the day that she's setting forth to him. like can i make a request and it's like no it's not your turn to talk dude <laughs> like, this is not how therapy works okay. shut up and listen let's even start off with at the beginning it's like you're supposed to be crediting the other person and like the way that it read to me and, you know, and it wasn't even me. And I know Liz is sensitive about this and I wonder how Liz took it is basically yeah. like Liz got, got off her fat ass and worked out. It's like that has nothing to do with you. Why are you crediting yes. Liz for that? That's true because, yeah, it's not she doesn't do it for you. But, yes, it is. It is like well, give me a credit. Well, yeah, you're, I mean, it, it, it's not quite there, but it's one step short of, oh, give her a credit. And it's like, well, she's got nice tits. And it's like, that doesn't count. <laughs> you can't say that. That's not. I feel like in the context of him, the way he says it is, she's trying to get skinny because I like that. And it's yes. just like, ew, ew, what are you doing? Yes. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's gross. But it is also, that's what it, all, all he wants is he wants I, I, a trophy the therapist, wife. He no, he doesn't even want that. The therapist was right because they said, "What do you want of the relationship?" His 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 phrase was already unconditional love, mm-hmm. and she was just like, "I thought the therapist nailed it." Because she was like, "She's not a dog, so you're not getting that." Like, <laughs> I know like he that just therapist. wants a dog that he can have sex with. That's what he wants. Oh God, poor <laughs> Teddy. But yeah, it is kind of like Teddy, right? And that's why I feel like he has such a. Uh, you know, a close relationships with his animals is because to him that is unconditional love and control. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, you control everything about it and they, in turn, they give you, yeah, unconditional love. Like, yeah. it, and so, but it is absurd, like, mm-hmm. to ask for unconditional love. It's a ridiculous ask. And I'm glad the therapist, like, kind of called him out on it. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's like, well, yeah, the first condition of love is that you don't, like, intentionally hurt me right? right you don't cheat on me you don't like do things these are all things that are re- that are normal conditions for love right you let me have my own life is right up there right yeah. mm-hmm. like you're choosing work over me every time you go to work like what kind of don't you have a job that's how jobs work dude what are you talking right. about right and this is why it kind of reminded me of angela and michael from before because you know angela is like well if you don't take down your social media that means you don't love me and ed is like if you're not here at home with me all the time you don't love me right which is 
a ridiculous ass. Right. Like just on its face. Mm-hmm. Just and it's like and I don't understand how you don't see that. How you don't see if my partner has a job, it means they don't love me. Like what? Right, right. What? Like what what world are you living in that your partner doesn't have to have a job? Yeah. You know, it's 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 just it's crazy to me. Um, that he thinks like that. Yeah. What is frustrating to me about Ed is he definitely talks like very condescending to Liz. Like he's this relationship expert. He's this people expert. You know, I mean, even oh, some yeah. of the stuff I'm, that he I, said. Yeah, he always says that. I'm an expert at forever. reading people. Nobody is better at reading people than I am. And right. I tell, yeah. Yeah. And then he's like two seconds into this therapy session and you're like, you're really awful at all the things you think you're good at. You're really bad at it. And it's just like he's – but to me, the, the frustrating part of that is that if he thinks he's an expert, he's not willing to learn. And so I just think yeah. that this therapy is going to fall on deaf ears until he can really, like, recognize that he has a lot of work. Because I feel like he's just like, hey, Liz, come to therapy with me. And it's more so because it's like, yeah, because you need work. Right, right. It's it's very much come to therapy so the therapist can explain to you exactly what I need out of this relationship that you can give to me better than I can. It'll be from a third party and and not like, no, you are the one who needs to change more. (laughs) And it makes – to me, you would think – you would think if you could objectively look at it, you'd be like, wow, I've burned every relationship I've been in, not just with romantically, Mm -hmm. which you have. Mm -hmm. But your daughter won't talk to you right now. Yeah. Your mom won't talk to you right now. Like, so who's the one who's the, who has the problem here? Right? right. Well, you know, and this is this kind of goes back to like Ed thinking he's kind of the better one in this relationship. Like Liz has arguably had a very like not a good track record of relationships. And so he looks at Liz's relationships and he's like, oh, yeah, that's worse. So, you know, obviously she's the one who has problems in this situation. And I'm sure he would justify his lack of a relationship with his uh, daughter and his mom on the fact that he is with Liz. Absolutely. He absolutely does. So to him, it's he's not the problem. It's Liz. Like, look at Liz's past relationships. And I feel bad for Liz. It seems like she just does not pick good partners. And yes, that's the common denominator. But it's like, yeah, you know, Liz probably could work on herself to like put herself in a healthy relationship but how she is in those relationships i don't know if it's like as terrible as what her partners are doing Uh, yeah but after this one i was like oh as soon as i saw her get on the scooter with him oh she deserves whatever happens yeah it is difficult to feel sorry for her yes i agree at this point, like, he's giving you all the signs, man. Like, it's all there written very plainly right. out loud. And what happened to – and this is where I had hope for her specifically. She was said, uh, you know, if we break up or there's any kind of, like, uh, you know, instability in the relationship, I am done. Yep, she went back on that. So I'm just like, uh, mm-hmm. you're going to go through this same cycle of terrible until you're yeah. willing to, like, walk away from it. Every time some every time you draw a line in the sand and you hug the person after they step over it, then that's gonna that's what's gonna happen. Right. And and the thing is, is like really you guys shouldn't be together because she's just she's like holding on to this idea, like, oh, okay, well, we'll just go through this, but you know, we'll we'll just be together. And it's like there's no scenario where you guys should be together. And that and it's no, it's tough. Absolutely not. It's tough to accept that, but it's like there is no scenario where you should be together. 
Well, and then the other thing too is like, yes, because when you li- even when you listen to him talking about like, why do you want to make this work? She says she wants to make it work because she really loves Ed. Yeah. He says he wants to make it work because he doesn't want him to be a divorcee again. God. Like, okay, so it's about you. It's about you not wanting the label of twice divorced. That's what's driving you into this relationship. Like, like it's just that like a super hurtful thing to say. And they just like blew past everything. Like yeah. nobody even noted it. Yeah, well, you know, he's not my favorite. All right. Well, on to my last group with things. Lots of things were going on in this yeah. t- in this one, actually. And that's Jenny and Submit. So Submit is getting ready for work by teasing his hair out with a blow dryer for a really long time. <laughs> and Jenny brings him some chai. So there's a little bit of Submit putting his foot in his mouth about, like, talking about, like, oh, I'm doing what I want to do, which is apparently work seven days a week and not be with Jenny. So he's starting up this restaurant again with his friend that apparently closed for the pandemic. And for and the worst part for Jenny is it's really important that these restaurants are open seven days a week. So he thinks he'll have to be working six or seven days a week, even though Jenny insists that he only work five. So there's nothing in the fridge for lunch. And Samit asks her, you know, if I'm going to work, could you come do some shopping to cook for dinner while I'm out? And uh, so she agrees to do that. And. That's what she does. So we see her. <laughs> um, she feels like she has no choice. She's never actually done this on her own before. She's always going to submit to the market. And then Submit leaves and Jenny steps out of the market or out to the market on her own, which she hopes isn't going to be something she has to do every day. So she starts with some vegetables and keeps trying to buy like, I don't know. She goes to this first stand and tries to buy something and lady's like, no, no, you have to get a full key KG. Nah. Oh, She's like screaming at her. That lady was um, terrible. Yeah. Well, then she drives a hard bargain because the lady tried to sell her like two pounds of broccoli for $15. And she was like, no, I'm not paying that much vegetables. (laughs) She's like, no, no, come back, come back. And it gets her down to like $12 for, again, like two pounds of broccoli. Eh, I mean, there were other things, but yeah, not $12 worth of produce. It was was at most like, it was still like $4 a pound for basic vegetables. Oh, sure, sure. And it's and she goes to another produce stand that ends up buying different stuff for like, you know, three hundred rupees, which ends up being like, like four or five dollars. Yeah. Um, although she pays five hundred for it because she didn't have exact change, so it looks like, I don't know, maybe she's doing more than she lets on. At least she didn't let the lady take advantage of her and yeah. she haggled. Um, yeah, it really seemed like that lady was like, oh, clueless white lady coming up. Yeah. What can I charge her? <laughs> All right. So then we switch to submit at his first day of back at work with Rohit. And one of the, again, who's one of the few people that hasn't shunned him over this whole Jenny affair. So the restaurant isn't really like a sit down or a takeout thing. It's a delivery kitchen. And they make, they say, all kinds of foods from pizza to, I don't know, burritos and enchiladas, all kinds of stuff. Even if Samit is a bit rusty with cooking. So Rohit is in his, uh, once, is ready for the business to go boom, but knows in order for that to happen, it's going to take a ton of work. And since Rohit put up most of the capital, Samit's going to have to put in most of the time. But Samit says that Jenny only wants him to work five days. And then Rohit is like, eh, I feel like since you've gotten with Jenny, it's always been like, what does Jenny want? What does Jenny want? And it's never, what does Samit want? So he's mostly bummed that his friend has turned into like a one of those couple people that you never see again. Like, oh, my wife says I can't come out. Yeah. So Jenny tells him that the thing Jenny wants the most is for them to move to America, which clearly is not going to work for this business. And Samit agrees that he can't possibly leave his parents in India. 
But another thing that's holding him back is the weird promise he made last time about having kids that he doesn't really want. Oh, God. I forgot um, about that. <laughs> so, of course, Rohit thinks that's a terrible idea <laughs> and it's not going to solve the problem. And, like, Samit says he's not even sure whether Jenny wants kids or not. Like, spoiler alert, Samit, it's no. <laughs> and... And then it's kind of like, well, you really have to talk about it. So later on, Samit comes home from work to see Jenny doing the best she could with what she managed to get from shopping and cooking. And uh, the shopping involves basically two things. Big peppers that she implies they're going to use for a sex toy later. God, that's so concerning. Which is very concerning. But then, you know, the food she got for dinner, which is boiled potatoes. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So... It's exactly the kind of dinner that Samit was expecting, so he brought some food back from work. So she says she's used to American boxed meals, so this actual cooking is way more effort than she wants to put in. So she asked about his day when they were done eating dinner, and that's when he brings up how he asked him to work seven days a week. Jenny sure assumes that when that was asked, she was like, well, of course you said no. But this is just another one of those instances where Samit's just kind of trying to tell everybody what they want to hear. Um, And it's going to end up biting him in the ass. So he says that seven days a week is just what it takes to get a business off the ground. But she suspects that, you know, you don't really want to be working for seven days a week. You'll be out there hanging out with your friends. Friends like Ruhit, who she's worried and she's worried that he'll come home drunk after work. So she seems to think that life should just be work and her. And he protests a little bit about that's not how what really what he wants. And Jenny thinks that now that they're married, he's changed. He's like got her locked down. So now he's going to be, you know, not as not as uh, attentive to her. Uh, but maybe it's just an age difference thing. So he just wants some kind of social life. And he thinks that will improve with work, you know, because at least he'll be out away from Jenny at some of the time. And it'll give Jenny to work more on her basic housewife duties. So. Then she's kind of just left wondering where she fits into all this. All right. So the question I have for you, because I thought of this when I was watching the show. Have you ever seen the show on Netflix called Old Enough? Oh, no. (laughs) It's a Japanese reality show where they send toddlers out to run errands. Oh, I think I've heard of this. In in Japan, it's called My First Errand. But in in America, they run it as Old Enough. Oh, that's cute. That's so adorable. I, that's all I could think of when Jenny was going to this market. Like, oh, is I she going to remember the on her social media? Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't get it. I was like, eh. I was going to text you and I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> yes, but it's like, can is Jenny capable of running this errand? <laughs> I was like, why are we having She this? did an okay job, I think, especially with like uh, language barrier. She clearly has not made any attempt of like learning any foreign languages here she 100 percent relies on uh submit so i mean i think i think she did okay for herself i mean she stood up for herself during that lady who was really trying to like just take advantage of her 100 percent. yes she was very aggressive yeah. no you have to get five pounds of broccoli you can't <laughs> just know like, just... but i only want one i mean <laughs> that was yeah that wasn't reasonable yeah. Can I use the same basket? No, 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 no. You can't yeah. use the same basket. And, and then the thing too is, and I think what's frustrating about that situation is like all they know how to say is no, but they can't tell you what is wrong. So it's just right. like, just go with it, lady. Like, you know, maybe it's not going to be perfect, but it's fine. You're making a sale. Yeah. Like, calm down. 
Yeah, I thought she was just being like, if I'm aggressive and loud, I'll scare her into just paying whatever I tell her to pay. And yeah. that, that'll, that'll, be, that'll be the end of it. Right. Um, but like she yelled after her, she tried to leave. And yeah, yeah I guess she – I mean, I, I said she did fine. But then when she came home, she was just like, uh, I guess I'll boil potatoes. Yeah, that's and where it really fell like, apart. It's like, <laughs> oh, I get that they're probably eating very vegetarian there. But still, like sure. a boiled potato is not a meal. No. And it's like you have to have some sort of access to some kind of cookbook or something. Yes. Oh, like, my goodness. But like make an attempt for some kind of like variety or uh, some kind of protein or something. Yeah. There should be like lentils or beans in there right. somewhere. Right. Yeah. Like, Ridiculous. Like it, it's it's yeah. It was just like. But the thing is, and Submit knew it too because he was like, yeah, I'm bringing food home because right. she's just going to make like white rice or something. Oh and that's going to be our, that's going to be our dinner. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I don't know if, you know, they're going to figure out what's happening, but I feel like Submit is more stubborn about staying in India than Jenny is insistent about going to America. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I do think so. He just the, – the, the dude is not going to leave his well, parents. Here's the other thing, too, that I was thinking about. It's like, you know, Jenny's just like, oh, I want to live this, like, retired life, right? And then – I was thinking about it, you know, if Jenny were to die right now, you know, it's not like Summit is getting that Social Security money. So what does he do? He has nothing. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. like, and okay, so Jenny probably isn't going to die tomorrow, like, you know, but more realistically, like in the next 20 years, and let's say that, you know, Summit is, you know, uh, let's say he's 60-ish when mm -hmm. Jenny passes away. Right? And it's like, well, what are you going to do then? You're going to go back to work at 60? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you would have to. Right. So, I mean, he needs to build his own uh, retirement. That's what he Oh, no. I, he has to work. And yeah. I understand that he has to work and he has to make money. Like, that That to me is, is normal. But – and the thing is we give other people a hard time. What she's asking of him is absurd. Yeah. It's spend all of your time with me and mm -hmm. nobody else and me. Mm -hmm. And – that doesn't even work in retire. Like, I imagine my retired life, like, sure, am I probably going to be with a partner? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But am I going to, like, do things with other people and, like, hang out with friends and do retired? Like, yes, I'm going to do that, too. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be me and my partner in a house alone right. in, for my entire retirement. Yes. No, I agree with you. But I think you're also thinking about it in a different context, like, right? Because you're thinking about you're in a community of your friends and family. And you're in a community where even if you didn't have your friends and family, you would be able to meet and connect with other people. Like, Jenny doesn't have that. She has not learned the language. You know, she, she's not amongst familiar friends and family uh you know they're kind of like in a weird way being shunned by the community as a whole because everybody thinks it's weird the you know the age difference is a couple i mean we've interviewed almost every single indian person available and they've all said the same right. thing about how shocked just, they are i, I even within the show mm -hmm. they have not found like long term and she has been there for years yes right and they have not found one person to come on that show and be her friend that she talks to stuff about yeah that's about actually really with. true yeah right and yeah. that's that's on her man that's not Samit's fault yeah right it's it's kind of nuts to be somewhere for three years and not have 
anybody outside of the out of your partner. Right. I feel like, you know, the easiest thing to do would be to go to like a, a Hindi class. There's got to be expats. Yeah. Right? There's got to be Americans there. Right. To learn the language. And then I think by default, you will meet other people that speak English. If you're going mm-hmm. to, you know, learn the language, other people that are in the similar situation as her, where they're right. living I mean, abroad. There's, there's no way. Maybe it's me. That's my, my things. There's no way there's not an American bar in Delhi. Oh, sure. I'm sure right. there is. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like that, that would be a place to start. Right. Yeah. Like, And to find something, you find people who speak English, you know, maybe they know people and, and you kind of go out from there. But like. She just made no attempt. She just seems to be like, I just want to be with this one dude. And and then she does. She sounds a lot like Ed at the end here when she's talking about, I don't want you going out and having a boy's night out. Mm. I don't want you coming home drunk. Like, it, it's too much. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. You know, especially with young people. He's like 30. Uh, he don't look 30. So I think we forget sometimes. But he's 30. That's still like party phase. Especially if you're not, if you don't have like kids oh exactly yeah Yeah. okay so we did not uh speaking of kids we did not hear from Bilal and Shida this week so out of (laughs) the group we did see who would you say is your student of the week um I'm gonna go with oh I don't know Libby I guess I don't know she's pregnant so (laughs) congratulations yeah and she's not the one who's pregnant being like we should tell only some of your family. She's like, come on, Meg, that's just silly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually went with Jovi. Um, I thought that he reacted to this crazy news from Yara pretty well. Um, and he didn't outright say no. He just kept on saying, like, we need to talk about this. We need to make decisions. I want to be there when you're making a decision. And I thought that was, like, a fair approach to it. Yeah. That, that that's true. That's true. It was like just, we just need to talk about this before right, we right. go out looking at apartments. Yeah. Um, okay. So how about your dunce? Um, I'm gonna go with Liz. Mm-hmm. Like just because now that's really dumb. Like you said, you would break up with this relationship. You said you'd be done if he even hinted at breaking up again. And here you are back. Here you are telling us you are in love with it. Like I was just so incredibly frustrated with her and being like. And I see why it gets to the point where you see why people write them off because and like I'm done. I can't. I no. Don't talk to me about this anymore because you know how it was. You I know you know what's going to happen. Right. And you're doing it anyway. And I don't want to hear about it anymore. I get it. Yeah. You guys are a terrible couple. Yeah. I don't want to hear the drama because it's like it's different if it was the first time around. But they're now at this point, they've had so many opportunities to really know that this was going to come. Right. It's is eight official breakups. And we probably had, you know, f- at least five or six more half breakup. Yeah, I'm going to count that last one. The engagement party one as a half because I'm pretty sure they said they were done. Yeah, but that's yeah, I've yeah, that that is it's just it's just. It's beyond me. I don't get it. Yeah. Well, I actually went with Angela. Surprise, surprise. Um, I, I did not appreciate her getting into details about the sex. Um, I mm. just thought she was uh, unreasonable in her request. Uh, you know, when Michael is 
trying to have a conversation with her. I, you know, it's like she can't even listen to his side. She has to walk away, cut him off, try to talk over him. And I feel like that's the reason why she left is because she lost her voice and she couldn't yell at him. Um, so sure. it was like, well, the next best thing is to run away. And it's just like she's trying to make herself out to be the victim. And it's just like, ah, oh, just stop, Angela. We, I mean, this is all we all know that this is who she is. This isn't like a. Uh, uh, one episode dunce incident but you know sure yeah. sure all right what about your life lesson uh, so my life lesson goes with them it's actually directed at michael though mm-hmm. and it's like no matter what your intentions for them like lies are lies and you can't tell yourself that the lie of love oh, <laughs> is like any better and especially when you clearly just told a lie so you could have sex oh, and gosh. then afterwards we're like yeah about that <laughs> Like that's oh, yeah. that's no, we we focus on how gross Angela can be, yeah. but that was a pretty gross move from Michael. Yeah, yes, definitely. Um, it reminded me of I've been watching Single Life on uh, Discovery Plus, and uh, some guy uh, lied to uh, was it uh, Veronica Tim's ex mm-hmm. uh, to get her to sleep with him, and I'm just like, wow, this guy sucks so bad. I'm just watching, and I'm like, I hate this guy. So, yeah, that's that's bad. Uh, my life lesson, I guess we could say, is aimed towards Angela and Michael and uh, Ed and Liz. And it has to do with what we were talking about earlier about love being uh, unconditional. Uh, I agree with the therapist. Love is conditional. There are conditions on love. But that just means that you have to choose your love when things aren't meeting your expectations and keep that line of communication open. You can't just assume that because someone is doing something, it means they don't love you. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yes. It's just doing anything because it's not even what he's at. That was even beyond unconditional love because she did mention dogs and children. And so I do think I do feel like I have unconditional love for my children and they Mm -hmm. could do awful, terrible things and I would still love them. Right. But that doesn't mean I spend every waking hour obsessing over them. That's not the same thing is even unconditional love, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, we will be back next week with uh, some family therapy that I'm not really looking forward to seeing. And uh, yeah, Yeah. other stuff. Other stuff, too. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll be back uh, either way uh, next week. So until then. All right. See you later. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.